Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Med tre mål, bland annat en matchavgörande fullträffen i derbyt mot Djurgården, så har Hammarbys lånevärvning vidare en Kjartansson återigen visat att hans signatur kommer med en målgaranti. Efter en knackig start på säsongen har Hammarby nu börjat lyfta, men frågan är hur länge man har råd att behålla sin isländska målskytt. Lånet från Rostov löper ut i mitten av juli, men i den här podcasten berättar i alla fall Kartansson att han gärna stannar på Södermalm säsongen ut. You know, I enjoy life in Stockholm, I enjoy football here, I enjoy being in Hammarby, but like I said, you know... Vi måste ask the questions, you know, to finish the season here, I would really want it, but will they allow it? I'm not sure. Och vi pratar om det faktum att Hammarby är hans tredje klubb på mindre än ett år och varför han aldrig fick förtroendet i ryska Rostov trots att han var en av klubbens dyraste värvningar någonsin. They will never understand why they bought me, but this happens many times in Europe, you know, the president buys some players without maybe the coach. Knowledge. Och Kjartansson minns naturligtvis tillbaka till sin första session i Allsvenskan. Men då i Malmö FFs färger, där han gjorde stor succé till slut. Men inledningsvis hade svårt att göra mål och blev rejält ifrågasatt. Det var verkligen really, en my probably min tuffaste period i uh, min karriär. De första sex matcherna där. Jag var mentalt lost lite bit. Men podden är naturligtvis mer än det här och vi pratar om Hammarbys krissamtal efter Malmö-matchen som fick part på klubben. Om den tunga nobben från Lars Lagerbäck när det inte blev något EM-spel. Om varför han la av i landslaget. Och hur Erik Hamrén övertalade honom att komma tillbaka. Men vi inleder som vanligt podden med en fakta ute. H. 29. Where do you live? Uh, Stockholm. Family? Uh, girlfriend and uh, one son. Education? Nothing. Salary? Uh, decent one. 
car, uh, Range Rover Hobby, chess, uh, golf, football, language or languages, Icelandic, a uh, little bit Swedish, a little bit Hebrew, yeah, not so much, uh, English of course. Uh, who is the best player uh, in the world? I used to say Cristiano Ronaldo, but after uh, Barcelona Liverpool, I have to say Lionel Messi, without a doubt. Which is your favorite team and why? It is Arsenal, and uh, the reason is my father, and uh, we started. He let me watch games when I was like three or four, and we went to many games together. I think I was five when I went to. Uh, Arsenal Man United, so that's he is the reason. What's the biggest that you won as a football player? Mm. Wow, I think you know my when I get uh, you know golden boots in uh, different four countries. It's uh, I think it's my biggest achievement, and also I won the title with Malmo Cup in. China, it's difficult to pick between them from there. Which rule in football would you like to change? Uh, wow, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, wow. Wow, that's a tough one. Uh, rule. Uh, yeah, you can uh, take your shirt off without being getting yellow card for it. You know, it's uh, I think it's and also you can to go to the fence a little bit without getting your fence without getting booked. The best player that you've played with gets tougher and tougher. Gilvi uh, <clears throat> Sigurdsson, Everton. Everton, okay, uh, Gilvi, okay. Uh, which is the toughest opponent, or who is the toughest opponent of you that you've uh, met? Met a couple of tough ones through the years. Uh, you know, I played against, you know, it must be someone you play at uh, international level. I played against uh, Eden Hazard once, you know, and, you know, don't need to discuss the rest, I think. What have you practiced most in your career to develop? Develop uh, finishing definitely, you know, that's my strength. And I made sure uh, I've done a lot of extra trainings. I made sure I'm uh, my stamina is good and I'm fit enough to to run for ninety minutes, you know, because I had like asthma when I was a kid, you know, and I had to do. I felt I had to do more than others. So, which goal uh, do you uh, look at at YouTube when you want to get in a Good mood. Uh, good mood, oh my god. I scored two goals against Maccabi Haifa away. Uh, one of them was 93rd minute and the finish was quite good, I have to say. Both of them were really, it was cut back and I had, the finish was good and I do it many times, but you know, I... Yeah, when when you need confidence, it's good to go to YouTube, and this is probably uh, looked at most. In school, what was your best subject? And we don't 
we, we cancel out gymnastics. Okay. Uh, believe it or not, uh, mathematics. Math, yeah, basically like, yeah, I was good when I was younger, when I was, uh, you know, but then I stopped paying attention in classes and then it got like downwards, so mathematics. Well, what makes you afraid? Flying a little bit, uh, animals, many <laughs> like dangerous animals get really scared, and uh, also uh, bees or hornets, wasp. Uh, when were you? When was the last time you were really happy? Mm, really happy. I think I was really happy after we. After the victory against the Eurogolden, I was really happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's probably the last time. Uh, what has been your toughest crisis in life? Mm. I probably when I got injured, 19 years old, or maybe my time in Russia also was not easy, you know, but. You know, I was, you know, it's probably when I was 19 into the ACL and he didn't play football in one year and that was a difficult time. What's the most expensive gadget or thing that you've bought? I think that I bought uh, uh, an apartment. Yes, I bought an apartment, uh, apartment in Iceland. It's probably the most expensive one. Vidgren, hittar då fram till Kjartansson och det är kriterat! Islänningen slår till, hörnen har landat! Ja, frågan var inte om utan när skulle första målet för Vidar Örn Kjartansson komma. Det kommer här efter drygt 18 minuters spel på Olympia. Norge, Kina, Sverige, Israel. Oavsett liga eller klubbadress så har Vida Örn Kjartansson levererat mål för sina arbetsgivare. Den egenskapen är naturligtvis guldvärd i fotbollseuropa och är anledning till att Hammarby var villig att betala honom ett miljonbelopp för ett korttidslån fram till i juli. Förra gången han spelade i Allsvenskan blev det ett knappt halvår i Malmö FFs tröja och det är egentligen bara i Maccabi Tel Aviv han stannat längre än en säsong börjar han känna sig lite som en legosoldat i fotbollens tjänst. You play for Hammarby, you've scored some goals. Uh, what is your feeling after coming to Hammarby? It's good, you know, like first two games, you know, we were like we were not there, you know, new like some new players and and uh, we didn't get results. Yeah, first three games to be honest. And then after that, you feel we are becoming better for sure. And um, yeah, I think I think by like after now we we're just going to improve and just get better. I think the team has more confidence now, and you feel like we're playing well, we're scoring goals, and uh, I think the, I think the fans also they they believe more after uh, we get results and just feel really good. You know, to be honest, I. After the first three games, I didn't feel so good. Like I was thinking, you know, why did I choose this? No, like more, more like, more like, you know, what's, what's, you know, 
what what do we have to do better? What do I have to do better? You know, because we didn't get any results. We had two points, and uh, but it's all about patience. And uh, you know, you see, first two three games, all of the teams were losing and losing points. And uh, I think you know we just needed to break the ice a little bit. You know, have one one victory and uh, and yeah, I think now last if you. If you minus uh, second half against Malmo, then uh, the last performances has been has been really good, you know. And uh, just I'm looking forward for the next games. And uh, what do you feel? How's your relationship with uh, Stefan Bilbon, the coach? Uh, what do you like his way of working? I like it, you know. It's like then also the other twos. Uh, you work in Pablo, and, and Pablo, you know, Sasha. They, they are like they work really well together, you know, and they really involved all of them in this what they're doing, and um, I, I like how they think of football, you know, and uh, I think it's it's really good, you know, they're professional and you you know you you know what they're talking about, and uh, you know it's 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 really nice, you know, they're not like you know screaming everywhere like really you you have had coaches before who are like it's more like noise, you know, like. They're loud, but they are more like, you know, calm and just like telling you what exactly they want. And uh, so far, it has been really good, you know. And the team, quite a few characters, uh, Djurdic and uh, Tankovic. Uh, it's, how, is the, how do you gel into a team like that when you come as a, you're here on a loan? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't know what to expect, you know, I didn't know many of the players before I came and... Uh, but I can see now, like you know, it's a it's a lot of tough characters, good characters, you know, and and also you see it on the pitch. Also, they we have many players who can win games, you know, and uh, it's just really good. Like uh, and the quality is better than I thought, to be honest. And uh, I think Hammarby is, uh, you know, after I've been here like for for some time now, I see this is you know we have the, we have the team to to go far and. Uh, and it's it's even better. You have like experienced players and uh, and a lot of different different types. And uh, do you think they can challenge uh, the top teams and and win? With uh, you know a couple of things we need to improve. And uh, absolutely, if we if we get on a run, you know, if we win a couple of games now in a row, I mean, everything is possible for sure. And last year they showed that uh, definitely they can they can play good in this league and uh, I think now it's it's all about you know getting more confidence in the team fix the things we need to fix and uh, then I think this team uh, definitely they can challenge and be in top three you said when you came to Hammarby that you wanted to come to a team that plays the ball on the ground and you feel that you're doing that yeah absolutely I mean uh, and also we we create a lot of chances we, we cross the ball a lot I mean like last game we we should have scored like five, six goals or even more. We had all of like the four strikers. We had like you know three, four chances each, you know, and so it was really good. And from what I came, like from where I came, come from, like now, Russia. I mean, it was totally different. So I just wanted to go back to basic and, and play like football I, I like and uh, and where you can use me more than just if you play long, long balls, for example. So. It's uh, it's even better than I expected. Like how we play football, and uh, I really, I really enjoy it. And 
you you played for Malmö in 2016 and now three years later what's your view of Allsvenskan is it better worse I think it's a little bit better you know it's uh, it's many teams you know the you see the games everywhere you play it's uh, you have to fight for fight for every point you know and uh, I mean for example Örebro they are they are like almost at the bottom but they still they gave us game in the end they scored two goals you you cannot relax for a second and I think you know I think you know if you if you're not like not ready then you can be in trouble in in every game I mean so I think it's more like uh, it's more even even now and it's it's better and uh, playing for Hammarby everyone who comes to Hammarby they talk about the fans and how you've been in Israel or and in different places how do you rate the fans and the the atmosphere in the stadium it's it's quite amazing you know and uh, yeah, I was in I was in Israel there was a lot of fans also and but a smaller stadium and uh, yeah I mean it's it's magnificent you know if you if you learn how to use it the right way some maybe some players if you're young you see 30,000 people all like you have to use it on a on a positive way. Don't take like, don't feel too much pressure or something. It's uh, they are cheering for you and uh, and like I said, you know, the uh, I think we played three times at home now or yeah, four, and uh, we played really well at home and uh, and they have their part in that definitely. And I think we we can we can uh, use it in our advantage to have uh, such good fans. But how do you uh, you say you have to use it in the right way? But it's not that easy. Some players have hard uh, hard to handle the pressure that falls. How how do you handle the pressure? Yeah, I mean, it could be it can be difficult, you know, when the game is not it's not going the right way. You may be losing or or something. And but I think with experience, you like take it as like uh, you know. You use it as like uh, support for you, and uh, you get the adrenaline for them, and uh, yeah, just use it the right way. Maybe if you're young and not experienced, then you like feel a little bit pressure to have such a man, so many fans, you know, watching every game. But uh, you know, I just uh, feel like you know they're cheering for me, and uh, they want me to win the game or, or us. So yeah, you've scored uh, three goals so far, and. Uh... How much of a relief is it to to score a goal when you're you brought here just to score goals in a way? Yeah, absolutely. And I always said, you know, it's even though you know first two three games usually I'm I'm not scoring so much, you know, in the in teams I've been in. And uh, but early in the season, I'm talking about the first half of the season or like first five ten games. It's it's good to be on the score sheet, and even better if uh, if you score and uh, it's, it means something. It's not like a consolation goals, or or maybe you're not like scoring one game and you don't score next four games. So it's good to score regularly and uh, scoring goals, which are important. And and for me, it's of course it's it's good to good to have confidence, and I hope I can score more. I mean, I should have scored at least two goals last game, and uh, but when we're winning, it's uh, it doesn't matter really who who's scoring the goals. So I'm happy. Do you have like a bonus for every goal you score? No, I thought that. I think you know it's a, it's a, it used to be like that probably, but uh, you know last couple of years I think uh, at least you know maybe in the biggest teams you have something, but uh, 
what I know, I think I think I've never, you know, I think I had in Iceland I had some bonus to score, but I haven't had since that. So, how come you? Everyone knows that Djurgården wanted you as well, and maybe other Swedish clubs. Uh, how come you chose Hammarby? It happened uh, really quickly, you know. I mean, I think in March, at some point, uh, you know, I know I was not gonna not gonna play like from the start in Russia in Rostov, and then they they told me like if you want you can go on loan, and I said I mean maybe it's it's better, and but they they said that only until the summer, and then I spoke with my agent to maybe you know look out look look for you know something some. Some uh, place for me to go until the summer, and uh, then it's only like it's only Sweden, Norway, USA. There's not many places you can go to in uh, at this point. Yeah, because uh, for those who don't know, it you left Israel to go to Russia, and then yeah. you couldn't change. In a, yeah. you had to go to a league that starts in yeah, in the yeah, spring. Yeah, summer, yeah, yeah, I couldn't like in January. It was like a lot of interest and. Uh, but actually, I couldn't leave. It would be my third club of the season. It's a, that's a weird rule, but that's how it is. I played qualification for in Israel, and uh, yeah, then all of a sudden, uh, some Swedish clubs they contacted my agent, and uh, and uh, yeah, I had I didn't have many days to decide, and uh, Hammarby was uh, the one like I was most. Yeah, I was like really interested to go to Hammarby, you know, the fans, you know, already spoke to the boys who played here before, so, yeah, it was just like, you know, I was, I just took a decision, like, quite quick, and um, the other clubs, definitely good clubs, but, you know, I thought Hammarby was the right, right place for me at, at this point. And Malmö, you told me when I interviewed you in TV that Malmö, you never spoke to Malmö. No, I actually never spoke to Malmö, no. and uh, I mean, to be honest, I think most of the clubs in March, they have, like, they are, f- like, they have their squad, you know, they have everything ready, and uh, if you look at Malmö, they have, like, five strikers or something, so, you know, it's uh, it's no reason to add the sixth striker or fifth striker to the squad, so, it's, it's it was only, like, clubs who really needed striker, I think, that uh, contacted me, so... I think Malmo was never involved in this. How is it to be like a, a player on loan? It must be very special to know that, at least now, I know that I'm only going to be here until July. And I mean, the season continues until November. Yeah, it's weird feeling, you know, in some way. I mean, it's the first time I, I go on loan. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, you just you just have to focus on... You have to take like you know one day at a time. You know, just try to do well on the pitch, and and you never know what happens in in July. I mean, they gave me that message from Russia. They they wanted me to to play like ninety minutes and score some goals and try to keep my value because they bought me for some amount. You know, how how much did they pay? I think you know it's it could end up in three three. Point something I don't know. Like, Three million euros. Yeah, uh, like some, ah. some, somewhere there, and uh, and the, I think it's the biggest signing they they made. They usually don't buy players for that much, so 
So they actually want me to, to play every game and, and keep my value here and uh, they only wanted me to stay to 15th of July. So in a way you're just in the mark in the shop window for uh, for the transfer window in in the summer. That's maybe, that's maybe how they look at it, you know, they look at it this way, you know, to to keep the value so it won't drop just if I stay there on the bench and play only 20 minutes. And it's uh, if if I think too far, you know, I think it's difficult, you know, if you think like, wow, okay, I um, don't know where my future is, you know, heading, you know, and I don't know where I play in August or something like this. It's, I think it's uh, then you start thinking too much. You just like, I try now as much as I can just to be like, you know, ex- like excited for the next game and uh, try to do my best here until 15th of July. Then we will see what happens. I mean, something might happen. In the meantime, you never know. So, yeah, I mean, you're well paid, so in a way, it's uh, you're taken care of. But still, you're only kind of like someone buying, selling, keeping the value. What What are your feelings about that? I mean, players they're like you know some investment these days, you know. So it's yeah, it's quite difficult, you know. You want always want to have your if you know, for example, you would finish the season here when I came. Then it's like you feel like you know no pressure, just like enjoying, and you know I know I'm going to stay here until November or whatever. But now you feel like okay, you have you know this short window to just play games, play well, and and whatever. But uh, yeah, it's it's a different feeling, you know. And uh, but I think uh, to get the best out of this experience and. Uh, I think it's best for me also just to think, you know, I have to play well until 15th of July and then we will see, you know, just try to stop thinking about, you know, where my future is going to be after after this. What are the chances that you are will be staying in Hammarby? It's difficult to say. I mean, I feel, you know, I enjoy life in Stockholm, I enjoy football here, I enjoy being in Hammarby, but uh, like I said, you know, we have to ask the Russians, you know, I, I don't know what they're thinking at this moment, you know, in the summer, they will probably contact me what about the next steps, but I mean, to finish the season here, I would really want it, but will they allow it? I'm not sure. And uh, if it's not that uh, probable that Hammarby would pay three million euros to bring you here? It's, uh, I think it's... Uh, Long shot, you know, it's it doesn't happen in Swedish football. You sell players for this amount abroad, but you know, don't, don't buy, buy players for this amount. So, uh, yeah, it would be, I think it would be too big pressure for everyone if this would happen. If you dream, where do you want to go in July? I mean, I always wanted to play in places like England and Germany. And uh, there's, I've been close a couple of times, and uh, but you know, like I said, uh, here somewhere else, I just wanted to, I want to play in a in a good club, you know, where uh, people believe in me and uh, in a good place for my family. So, but you know, football-wise, football-wise, you know, I, I would love to play in a place like Germany. What has stopped you from joining a club in England? You say you've been close, but what has been the hatch? I mean, I think I think uh, where I've played, like last couple of years, it's always been like uh, 
you know, if I would be a bit cheaper, it would have been much easier to go to other clubs. But the, when, for example, when you're playing in, in Israel, Sweden, and uh, some clubs, Germany, England want to buy you, and they say, the, the, what do you say? Yeah, the value is like four or five million or, or even more, then, okay, we go for the cheaper option. I think the clubs think like that because they always have a couple of options you know, on their papers. So I think that might be that might the price tag might be uh, something who had started in the future in the in the past. How come you ended up in in Russia and in Rostov? I mean, you have there are Swedes there, there are Icelandic players there. I I saw one of the games in. Uh, in Spain and yeah. big squad, uh, and now you and Salators are gone. It, yeah. How come you ended up there? I mean, I think the president he lost Icelandic players for sure. You know, I, when I came there, I was the fourth in, in the squad, Icelandic, and uh, it happened quite quickly. You know, it was in the end of the transfer window, and uh, my old club, Mahakapi Tel Aviv, they had some issue. We they actually didn't qualify for Europa League, like first time in. Seven eight years they don't go to Champions League or Europa League, and uh, they had this uh, financial fair play problems. You know they were investigating them, and I think even now they cannot buy players for some time, and uh, so they really needed to to fix things and sell players. You know, and uh, I was probably the first one to go out. You know because they could get probably a little bit more from me than some other players, and. Uh, and in the last day of the winter, they, I think they really needed to sell players, and uh, and then Rostov came in the picture. It, you know, they came a little bit earlier with the loan offer or something, and then in, in the end, last day, they they reached an agreement with uh, with the Israeli team, and uh, and I was like, okay, I have two years left on my contract, and I want to try something new. Maybe I stayed there for two years, and uh, it was really nice two years actually, and. Uh, then Rostov were in second place in the league, and uh, I was just, yeah, I mean, why not go to Russia and uh, and play there? It's a, it's a decent league, and uh, yeah, I just want to see, yeah, maybe that was a mistake after all. But uh, Yeah, you've been open about that, that yeah. probably the president bought you and the coach yeah, didn't know. Yeah, I think, I think it was like this, you know, I mean... It's not very often you buy players and the coach just... You know, let you start on the bench next five six games. You know, I was I came in top shape. You know, I was I had been scoring a couple of goals. You know, and uh, and yeah, I think I started my first game after like yeah, in the fifth game or sixth game I came and then I played fifty five minutes. You know, and he was rushing, taking me off the pitch. You know, I was like really weird. And then I didn't then I didn't start more games in the league. Only played the cup games. And I thought, you know, it didn't really, no matter what I did, you know, it didn't really matter, you know. So I felt like, you know, I had the feeling and still have that uh, it was not the coach's decision to, to get me there. To be honest. The, the coach is a former great Russian player, Kalpin, right? Yeah. And uh, I guess Russia is not the place where you go up to the coach and ask, what's the problem? No, I mean... Yeah, I mean, if you, I think if you, if you ask too much and if you, like, let's say you, you have to let him do his job, you know, I think uh, if you're too much asking, hey, why I'm not playing and stuff like this, they, 
it uh, can it could like end up against you I think if you do too much of that you know and uh, but did you check the club with Ragnar Sigurdsson who plays there did you call him and ask what kind of club is this I did I did actually and uh, they they said you know the, the, they talked to the president and the president asked is he gonna are we gonna be a better team with him and uh, with him in the squad they said definitely yes and but you know I should have watched some games but because you know how they play this it's not for me definitely not and uh, you know when yeah it's like it's like buying an apartment in Stockholm sometimes you have to hurry and you maybe don't absolutely <coughs> check everything and suddenly you end up with the and I really never understood you know how why they they bought me because you know the coach you know if you if you buy a new place then you especially a striker he needs like uh, trust and and everything like that you know and then you have to give him like five six games just to like get into things and uh, then he maybe starts scoring and then things get better but uh, I had to come in from the bench you know last 20 minutes maybe and and try to run as much as I could and uh, yeah then suddenly next next game we had the same story all over again so I really like I never understand. I will never understand uh, why they bought me. But this happens many times in in Europe. You know, the president buys some players without maybe the coach knowledge. You've done quite a few international transfers: you Iceland to Norway, then Norway to China, China to Sweden, Sweden to Israel, Israel to Russia, and now to Sweden. What's the key to make a successful transfer? Is it to sit down with the coach, or is it to talk to the sporting director, or? What's the key? Do you feel? I mean, it's not easy to settle in soon, like quick. You know, I mean, when I was in Malmo, it took me a couple of months to to reach my like you know the level where I wanted to be. And uh, Israel, it happened quite quick. But then I dropped like two three months. I wasn't playing well, and then after I started playing better. Obviously, you have to have good relationship with the coach and the sport director. You have to feel like um, they buy you as their number one striker and uh, and so on. And they have to play the football which suits you. And uh, but really, actually, it takes time to sign a new club and start playing well. I think it's it, it has been going well here, definitely for a short short time. But I, because I think when you talk about the Russian transfer, that was quite late. And I, as I remember, the transfer from Malmö to Israel was also quite late in the transfer window. I guess you don't have the opportunity to check out the club. No, no, you, you cannot like, you know, start, you know, you maybe go to watch some highlights on YouTube and a little bit go on Google. It looks good. Yeah, it looks good. I'm going there. But you, you have to... When you're more experienced, you have to think about uh, more things, you know, how they play and, and who's the coach and, and so on. I think uh, after Malmö, I mean, I think I was so high up, you know, on confidence and everything. When I left from Malmö to Tel Aviv, so everything was easier. And they started, you know, directly we went to Europa League and uh, I knew that they would play like good football. Uh, Rostov, I didn't do anything to check things and uh, and uh, yeah I didn't speak to the coach or nothing so yeah it was also a mistake by me in in that situation and uh, but yeah you have to number one especially for strikers to feel like trust from uh, people like sports director and uh, and coach so 
I felt it here, felt it in Israel, felt it in Malmö. Uh, didn't feel it in Russia, really, and it went like it did. Of course, it's your responsibility when you choose a club, but how important is your agent or uh, other people around you when you make your choice? Uh, also, the agent, they have to help you. I mean, you have to take... Uh, it's better to take an offer with a little bit less uh, contract and uh, place you are... It's more realistic for you to do a good job instead of maybe choose the best contract and then you have to maybe really fight for it, you know. So I think, uh, yeah, it's it's important to have agent who is, only, is also thinking about that uh, it's good for you for the future. It's, uh, I think, and, uh, talking about that, I think it was a mistake for me when I was 25 and I went to China, for example. Was that the only money that... Yeah, obviously, you know, you just play in Norway, then you see, if you see, it's not easy to see contract like this for the first time. How much did you make in China? It's a couple of years back, so maybe you can tell me. I had, uh, you know, good contract. I mean, it's... What's a good contract? Two million dollars? Three million dollars a year? Uh, it's, uh, it was not it was not so much, but uh, it was close, close to close to that. And uh, it was a good contract. And when, you, when you're young and you see... You see these amounts on paper, it's difficult to say no. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think most people probably, even though some people say, oh, why is he ruining his career? I mean, you put the sum on paper. Yeah, then it's difficult when you're in the situation to say no. But I think, you know, football-wise, I should should have waited a little bit longer. But, you know, I was a little bit desperate. It was in January and another season in Norway was about to start, so... I think, uh, but always these late transfers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You you haven't stayed that long in the clubs, uh, ex- uh, except in uh, Israel where you stayed. Uh, how come is that you've changed it? That's just uh, you know for strikers. You know, uh, let's say you're not doing anything. Goal drought, not scoring goals. Team is not winning. Then nothing is happening. But when you suddenly when you start scoring, your team is winning every game. You're fighting at the top. Then it's a lot of interest. Like clubs get uh, feel the interest. You know, you feel the interest. And uh, especially when it's transfer window, two three weeks until it closes, then teams are always looking for strikers. And uh, and then you're in constant yeah, contact you, with your agent. You then you have to take your phone off silent and. Uh, you know, and uh, answer the phone and see what they, what they are telling you, or your agent is saying, and and all of the stuff like that, and uh, yeah, and. How and many times do you get the kind of disappointed? You the agent calls maybe Everton or whatever, and and you get your hopes up, and then it doesn't. In the end, there is no deal. How often? He's a he's a smart guy actually. He he doesn't call me. You know, he, it has to be something really going on. Uh, so he calls me. He, d- he doesn't call me like, hey, it's one club, like, like talking about you or they were asking about you or something like this. So he, he only he only calls me when uh, there is something really going on. And a couple of times there has been uh, some big clubs, you know, and uh, he has told me like you're one of two, something like this. And and then my hopes are up. I'm, I'm I actually moved there in my mind, you know. So. It has been in and how do you handle the, the the message that 
There was no deal. Yeah, then then I feel like the phone is not calling anymore. Then uh, this happens, you know. Uh, it's uh, I get quite disappointed. So he he knows this, you know. He's experienced, and he know. So he doesn't call me like every time, you know. I have uh, this and this and this and that, you know. So he he is smart, but he he tells me when uh, I'm one of two, for example, you know, somewhere, and uh, this could happen, but he never, you know, he tries to. He keeps my hopes, you know, like uh, on average. So, yeah, I don't think too much about that, to be honest. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Återigen in med bollen framför Matchen mot Häcken blev en vändpunkt under Kartanssons intensiva tid i Malmö FF 2016. Han har kommit till klubben från den kinesiska ligan främst för att visa upp sig för Lars Lagerbäck och försöka ta en plats i den isländska EM-truppen den kommande sommaren. Men starten i Malmö FF blev inte alls som han hade tänkt och på de sex inledande matcherna gjorde han inte ett enda mål. Men den första maj mot häcken lossade han gjorde totalt 14 mål på 12 matcher innan han i augusti såldes till Tel Aviv. Men för Kjartansson kom islossningen för sent för att få följa med på det isländska EM-äventyret samma sommar. Det 
you uh, were part of Malmö FF uh, when they won uh, the gold in 2016, even though you left in uh, in uh, September. Did you get your medal? Yeah, I got it actually. When I went out uh, to Malmö to play with uh, Hammarby, then uh, then they handed me the the medal. So oh no, yeah no, <laughs> they told me uh, Mr. Kauri Arnason he had it, but. Uh, I think uh, yeah, they they had it actually all that time and uh, they gave it to me, so it was good. That's my second golden medal I have, so I will put it in some safe place. How was it to come with Hammarby to Malmö and get beat that bad? It was not a good feeling, you know. I I felt like I had a good feeling in first half. I think we were playing better. They didn't create nothing. You oh, okay? I mean, I mean, it's normal. You're playing there that they have the ball more more ball possession and they're always dangerous than when they play there but uh, to lose 4-1 that's like tragic I mean you know and uh, it happened so easy and happened in such a short time that you scored those four goals I, I was like numb after after this game and and we were actually the players we were so unhappy and we took a little chat after this game to prevent it would never happen again and the players they, yeah this was like more mental thing I think you, I mean even though if, if Malmö are playing against uh, my like Selfos my, my hometown club they, they would like struggle scoring four goals in like 20 minutes I mean it's it's not supposed to happen so I think you know we just absolutely we crashed so I think it's something we have to work on, like mentally, not, uh, you know, this cannot cannot happen, I mean. The meeting, was it only the players or? Yeah, we took some meeting, you know, just to a little bit to clear the air because uh, and it was important. I think we started playing better after that and uh, it's just so we, we everyone can talk and... and In a meeting like that, who, who talks? Yeah, like everyone, I mean done it a couple of times in the other teams I've been in but uh, when this happened it, it's important for players just to speak out if there's something we can we can fix and uh, was it after the game or was immediately after the game or was it a couple of days after? Uh, two, two days after I think two days after who, who who has the initiative of calling a meeting like that I think we were a couple of players who like we knew okay this is gonna do good for us to to speak about this uh, this game you know because I mean, I haven't watched the game again, but uh, I felt like first half, okay, we, I think we're going to win this game. I think we played better, we played clever, and, uh, and then suddenly, second half after 25 minutes, it's 4-1. I mean, then something needs to be discussed, I think. Was it special for you, since you've been in Malmö before, and you, had, you were really successful in Malmö? Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit maybe weird feeling to play there, and... Uh, but yeah, I mean, really, I just I'm uh, disappointed after the game. You know, I, I couldn't actually. The second I was so bad that uh, you barely touched the ball and uh, you couldn't actually show anything in a way. So yeah, I'm just I want to forget this game as soon as possible. Looking back to your time in in Malmo, you had quite a tough start, and then you sc- scored almost every ad- every game. How do you look back at those nine months? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a rough start, definitely. And the team also, first like four or five games, uh, like struggling. And 
Yeah, then then I just went back to basics, start uh, started doing more on the, on the training ground, and yeah, like it was really actually it was my probably my toughest period uh, my in my career, the first six games there, you know, and I was really like you were kind of criticized because you were an yeah. expensive yeah, recruitment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a lot of things going on in my life there. Also, I was, uh, you know. Uh, it was like my my son was coming to the world like right after I came and then the national team was uh, going to the Euros and I was like yeah I was kind of nervous in a way you know I need to improve and I was thinking too much and uh, yeah there was a lot of changes going on there and I, like mentally I was like uh, lost a little bit and uh, did you feel that the club doubted you no. No, definitely not. Definitely not. They showed me support through this time, and uh, felt immediately when I scored a hat trick against Hacken. Everything got easier for sure. It's sometimes it's like this for strikers. You just need that uh, one moment to change everything. And uh, but they always supported me. They they let me play even though uh, I was maybe not playing at my best. So. Uh, and they made a good decision there instead of just like putting me on the bench for the next five, six games to, to let me play until I get my confidence back. And thank God it happened. And uh, yeah, and they were paid back really well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It was a win-win for everyone, I think. Uh, were you surprised? You moved on to uh, uh, Israel, but were you surprised when Alan Kuhn got fired after winning the, the title? Yeah, I mean... Uh, it's uh, probably unheard of. You win the title and uh, you get sacked. But who am I to judge? You know, I'm. Uh, I actually don't know what uh, they were thinking there. And uh, who was the coach after him? Actually, then after him came uh, Magnus Persson, and he stayed for 15 months. Yeah, I mean, I actually have no idea. But that uh, surprised me a little, to be honest. It's uh, if you win the league and. Uh, yeah, and you get sacked. I mean, it hasn't happened many like in many cases. You know, it's uh, first time. Well, well, your your relationship with Alan Kuhn? It was good. It was good. He's a typical Danish guy, and, uh, and a good guy. He wanted to play good football, and uh, it was maybe it was big job for him. Definitely. I mean, he was. Yeah, because some people said he was kind of too close with the players, too much of a buddy with the players. Maybe I mean uh, he used to be assistant coach, and they are they have this different role than uh, maybe the head coaches, and uh, maybe he just needed some time to get used to how to, how to like behave like as a, as a head coach. But I think he was uh, I think he was good, and he did good job there. And uh, maybe like players they are used to something else or something like that. I don't know actually the. The story, but uh, <coughs> that's what Malmö did, and uh, they made that decision. And uh, yeah, it's I don't know. When you played in Malmö, Marcus Rosenberg was uh, the leading player. Are you surprised that he's still the leading player? Unbelievable. I mean, uh, he was still really good when I was there, but now he's what thirty-seven or something, and and he's playing like he's twenty-five. He's uh, scoring goals, and he's also it's not only that he's. He's playing really well and he's he's fit and uh, yeah he's uh, he's a leader. I mean, uh, really important for uh, Malmö and 
and when he stops, it's uh, they have a headache to uh, you know get someone in his place because he's uh, it's just surprised me a lot. You know how good he is still. Uh, do you miss Malmo playing for them? I mean, I had a fantastic time there, you know, but things happen, like changes uh, quickly in football. You're always changing clubs and, and so on. But yeah, yeah, I had a great time there and uh, you know, I have, have good memories there that I will never forget. Do you have any contact with the other? I saw that you said hi to some of the players that were there when you were Yeah, yeah a, li- a little bit, a little bit. A couple of the players and uh, yeah, it's uh, good guys and I have many, many friends there still and... Uh, so it surprised me really how many players were there when when I was there, and uh, yeah, it's I mean, it's a it's a good club and and a, and a good guys in the club also. When I met you in Dubai, just when you moved to uh, Malmo, you told me that you wanted to come there because you wanted to make the squad for the Euro 2016 with Lars Lagerbeck. Mm-hmm. It didn't end up that way. What happened? Yeah, I mean, I mean, okay. It's it's really frustrating when you were in, when you're in the squad in in the qualification like ten games, and uh, then you're not picked uh, for for the Euros itself, biggest tournament after this. And uh, yeah, I think you know myself to blame definitely in some way. I mean, I didn't have this uh, massive start in in Malmo. Um, didn't score for six games and then it's you know you give them opportunity not to pick you basically after that and uh, that was probably it was my fault it was supposed to happen uh, you know the the way I, like the reason I went to Malmö was to start good and have more opportunity to a bigger opportunity to go to the Euros and and when you don't play well six seven games then yeah they have a they have a reason not to pick you, basically, and uh, yeah, it's it's my fault. You know, I thought still, you know, because they knew me as a player, they should pick me. But uh, yeah, this happened, and uh, then did uh, Lars Lagerbeck call you? No, I didn't do it. And uh, I mean, of course, you think you know you have the, you have your eleven players. You know, you think you think about the most. You know, it's uh, you have better relationship with them, and uh, they're your most important players. So. I think that's that's more important than than the players on the bench. If if you're playing well with your club team, we pick you. If you're not, then we don't pick you. Simple as that. But how did you follow that summer? I actually took it the right way. You know, I said, okay, then I'm going to show them that they're wrong, basically, and uh, then actually everything went upwards. You know, and I started playing well, scoring, and uh, Malmo were at the top. So. Yeah, that was the right answer instead of like, you know, you can't go, to, you, you can't cry about everything, you know, and uh, saying like, you can feel sorry about you, for yourself and, and stuff like this, but uh, you just have to, you just have to play well and answer on the pitch, basically. Did you watch the games? Yeah, I did. How was that? That was uh, difficult. I mean, it was really difficult, you know, I had so many friends on the pitch, you know, and uh, I still, you know, I have I thought actually if they would go like further than they than they did, uh, I would be like angry basically. Yeah, it's like you feel like little, I just felt sad when I was watching the games basically, and uh, but you know I felt 
mixed feelings, I mixed guess. Mixed feelings, you know, for the boys, of course, I was happy for them, you know, and uh, it was unbelievable journey, this tournament. And uh, How's your relationship with Lars Lagerbeck? I haven't spoke with him after, you know, but he is a good guy, you know. I mean, when I, with the national team, when we spoke, uh, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a good man and, uh, and also, like, really clever and uh, did fantastic job for the national team and uh, what he did, you know, changed everything, like, around the national team and, yeah, what he did for Iceland, we can be thankful. Yeah. When I met you in Dubai that spring, you said it was 50-50. 50 Lagerbeck, 50 this generation of players. Do you still have the same view that it was 50-50? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The players, they have to do the job. The coaches, they try to explain like how they want to play football and, and so on. But they made us believe, I think, the coaches there. They gave, gave us the belief it's possible you know, to, to reach like big tournaments like the Euros, for example. And uh, and also we like how how we played four four two old school, just like not the best football, but uh, it's really effective. At least uh, people from Iceland seem to like the football. Yeah, yeah absolutely, and they all love uh, Lajepak. You know, he's a, he's a legend in Iceland, and uh, and uh, yeah, national team. It's it's not many games you have. You cannot like you have to improve. Like you know, you have to play well every game. It's not like you don't have any games to to adjust and stuff like this. So. They just need effective football, and uh, that's what he is all for. Like he, he plays effectively, and I think now in even in Norway, he's, uh, they are getting better. So uh, he's he's clever. Second qualification or the qualification after the Euros, they took they went to the World Cup. You missed the the World Cup, also you weren't selected, and then you retired, yeah. and then you came back out of retirement. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. That's what I did. You know, no, I mean, you did a Henrik Larsson. You retired. <laughs> came back. Then you came back. So many players uh, internationally, they have, uh, they came back. They have, they have like. Retired. How did you reason when you retired? Uh, basically, you know, I, okay, I played. Think I was involved in six games out of ten or twelve in uh, World Cup qualification. I wasn't picked. Still in Israel, my two years there, I. I was like, you know, I was scoring and playing well, I think. So I was uh, disappointed, like from before, but I had the experience just to, uh, okay, just think about something else. And uh, the reason I actually retired in the national team was more like my club team, Rostov, you know, I was not uh, playing so much, you know, I didn't have the best of start. I, Actually, when I came there, first two months there, I went twice with the national team. I barely trained with the team, and then I was like always on the bench, like coming on. and And I thought, okay, maybe it might help me if I, if I stop playing with the national team, and I can train like with them and do everything they they want me to do. and And also felt the coaches, like the the coach there, he was like he was not too happy with the players always in the national team traveling. It's a lot of travel going to to Rostov and. Uh, so I thought it would help me actually in, in Rostov, but really it, it didn't. And, uh, and then uh, they had some problems now in the first game of the qualification. Yeah, Eric Hamrein called you in too and you scored against Andorra. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he met us in uh, Spain. We were with Rostov, you know, and uh, he saw we played some game and uh, he thought I was uh, fit, you know, and 
and then he asked me because we have problems uh, if you can come and and uh, yeah most definitely you will play a part in that game and I thought okay I'm I'm fit I'm uh, it's uh, I was been in Hammarby for for a week or something so I thought maybe it's a good time just to start over again and uh, I needed games actually I hadn't played competitive games for for a long time there and uh, I think I took the right decision just to and I scored it was it was even better so yeah things in football happens quickly you will be in the squad in June you think I mean uh, scored the last game I played I've been I think I had quite decent start with with Hammarby so yeah I hope I hope so I hope so and uh, I'm definitely ready for it for us in Sweden, uh, Lars Lagerbäck is one thing, Erik Hamren is something very different. Uh, what's your view? A different types. Right? A different type, different type of football and everything. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think Hamren wants to play more, like more football, and uh, Hamren is maybe more open. He talks more like to the players individually. Lagerbäck is more like you know teacher. It's, uh, you don't. You're not always like talking to him and. and and so on, but they are definitely two different types. You know, I like I like Hamren, what I've seen, and uh, I have a good uh, relationship with him. So I he's, ha- he's had a quite a rough start. You have to say. I, fe- I felt you know, I felt felt sorry for him. Like first two games because we were like the players were like we were. I don't know what we're thinking. Like the first game six zero, and then next game three zero something, and we against really tough opponents, but still like. They, like I don't know, like the players, it was it was probably the worst game with the national team we played, all of us, and uh, there's nothing for the coach. You know, he he couldn't do anything to change that. You know, he only had been with us for three days and we played that game, so it's a nightmare start. And I felt sorry for him after that, but you know, I think uh, I think uh, now we have more time to to start playing better you know and we have like two really important games in uh, in the summer and uh, i think uh, it will uh, yeah it will be much better than and uh, we just have to forget about those uh, first couple of months and uh, if we get results now in, in june then we will everyone forget about what happened has happened do you think there's a chance of a New uh, championship for uh, for uh, Iceland went to the Euros and then to the World Cup and now the Euros 2020 and hopefully third time lucky for you. Third time lucky, yeah. Hopefully, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, if you look at the group, for example, I think France they are like you know world class. They're gonna be first in that group, but uh, the other teams, Turkey, Albania, us, Moldova and Andorra. I think we have a good chance to be in the second place, and I think it's two two teams who go directly to two teams go directly, and you don't have a second chance since you came last in your nation's league group. So yeah. your only chance is to be number one or number two in your qualification yeah. group. Okay, okay, it's like that. Okay, yeah. okay, nice. Yeah, I think we have a good chance to be in the second place, and uh, like I said, now it's super important games in uh, in June and. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm positive that uh, we will get good results there. Then we hope that you 
we'll see you in the Euro 2020. So yeah. it's the third time lucky. Yeah, I have to be, I have to be ready when they when they pick the squad when uh, if we if we get there. How do you handle the pressure of the big price tag? I mean, when you moved to Israel, it was quite a big price for uh, that club, and the same with Rostov and big salary often. Mm. Yeah, I mean. Uh, you cannot think about that too much. You just think about it. Uh, they believe in you. People expect a lot from you, the fans, and just try to score goals as soon as possible and play well. You know that's uh, what you can think. Just take. Uh, you know, it's it's always difficult, but uh, you put also a lot of pressure on yourself, and uh, you want to play well. You don't feel good when you're not. So, do you work with a mental coach? Yeah, I do that actually a little bit and uh, that's good but uh, I think it, you know after you've done it a couple of times it's it's easier and uh, yeah you're just you just think you're like an investment for the club you know you you know the price tag it doesn't really matter anymore I think if it's like if you get bought for 20 million euros I mean uh, I don't know how I would handle it but uh, yeah, that's just the way it is, and you have your price tag at this moment, you know, you have your value, and uh, that's just the way it is, you just have to enjoy football, basically. I guess after a hat-trick, everyone's around you, and it's great, and you're delivering, and after three, four games without a goal... Yeah, yeah that is different. Than, uh, how how uh, do you handle that? That's just, uh, that comes with the experience, actually, but you never feel good when you haven't scored for three, four games, for example. I just uh, really what I do. I try to train even harder. You know, I go like running, finishing, and and everything like that, and just try to think about everything else than scoring goals. You know, and then really it gets gets better when you when you score your first goal after that. You have really impressive statistics. Uh, I checked now on transfer market, and there it says that you've 159 goals in 360 games, uh, competition games in. Different, different leagues from Iceland to now Allsvenskan. Uh, have you always been scoring goals? Yeah, actually, since I was young, you know. But, you know, I had this, you know, I, I was 19, played my first time in, in uh, the Premier League in Iceland. And uh, I think I only scored two goals, you know, and then I was like... I couldn't sleep during the nights when I didn't score and so on. So uh, I was really not ready for it. I thought, you know, mentally. And uh, uh, right after I got injured, so I think it was a little bit like a wake-up call for me to just, you know, I have to, I have to change things, you know, how I think, especially. And then I started. I felt like when I started uh, putting more effort on training, training more extra and uh, after I felt after that uh, I could actually go abroad it was more difficult at that time to to go abroad from Iceland you had to go to trials and, and stuff and then I had my breakthrough season 2013 I scored many goals there and yeah you just had this like you know it was the way it was back then, you had to be one of the top scorers in the league to go abroad on trial. So I felt like, okay, if I'm not going to score now, I, I'm not. I'm just going to stay in Iceland. So 
but uh, definitely yeah I have scored many goals you know almost every season so yeah and and when you were a kid and starting out in football you always forward and yeah, always yeah, scoring I was, I was striker you know I was uh, and I scored a lot of goals when I was a kid so I also went to my computer and wrote it down how many goals I scored every game so it was funny <laughs> so you had the total statistic yeah. on your own how many did you score in your junior team? I, you know, I maybe you know per season you had like, for example, ten, fifteen games. I maybe scored fifty, sixty goals or something. Uh, what did you when you went to practice? What did you practice to become an even better scorer? Uh, I think I always had this instinct to score goals in me. You know, I didn't have to do so much extra there, but. Believe it or not, I was a good dribbler when I was younger. It's, I'm not a good dribbler today, to be honest. And uh, then I just changed the way I played. You know, I became more central, more in the box. You know, when I was starting out in uh, the senior level. So, yeah, there are a lot of things you can fit, like you can improve there. Your touch, your you know positioning, and, and so on. I just maybe you know it's not. So such a long time ago, I started to change the way I played in in that kind of way. I was I used to be more of a dribbler. That's I can't hard think. to believe. Yeah, I can't even believe it now. Myself. Now you're more of a, a box player, and um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you feel that kind of you want to be more out on the outside the box and be part of the the game, or do you like being just a the the forward in the box. I, li- I like to be more in the box. You know, it's sometimes it's good to do something else. But you know, I think uh, to get the best out of me, the team also, I think it's best that I just stay in the box. I mean, I could, uh, I can go past one player, but if there are two or three, I just, you know, I can't remember how to do it. So, uh, which is your favorite type of goal? Uh, that's a good question. I think it's the easiest goals. I mean, like uh, for example, against Jurgen, I scored like. Close to the goalie. I mean, I mean, this is like the, the, you call it the cheap goals. I think that's uh, you know my my favorite at the moment because you know it's like uh, you feel it so easy somehow. I don't know because when you watch you as a player, you're not the most technically gifted players. At least that's not what you see. But some will see it as a kind of a. A gift to be able to see where to be when the ball is coming and do you feel that you have that kind of gift to be able to know how to move in the box? Yeah, I mean absolutely and uh, also you know when I'm have my back to the goal I know most of the times where the goal is you know and uh, don't need to use too many touches to score I usually score first touch goals a lot and uh, yeah like like I said that try to develop how I play so it's like so I can use it in the box basically and I, I know I'm not like a winger type dribbler so uh, I try to improve things I can be even better at. How's heading goals? I actually do a lot when I get the chance to head. I haven't got many this season I think so but every season I had couple you know five six headers you know so I think that's that's okay, but I haven't got many chances this season to do it. No, and uh, I mean you score almost every other game, which is you you're keeping up in Hammarby too. And uh, do you feel a pressure from that that you 
been delivering so well up until now? No, actually not. I mean, the, of course I know. Then uh, it's. I think it's not acceptable if I don't score in uh, you know in in every game. I don't, I, I'm really unhappy if I if I if I'm not scoring. So I'm really hungry to to score many goals, and uh, you know I feel I think it's a really good feeling to be scoring on like uh, scoring almost every game. So pressure is, of course, it's you know. It will grow if the people see your statistics and uh, and all that, but uh, yeah, that's what you know. That's you know. Do you know your statistics? Do you do you still have your computer with your? No, actually, I stopped doing that. But you know, I take a look at Wikipedia sometimes. You know, I want to. I saw I was close to with cup and everything. I think like reaching what two hundred goals or even more. So. I have to take a look at it again. I don't know where I'm standing now. But yeah, yeah I, I put so much pressure on myself that I don't feel any pressure from, from any other, like from the fans or the team or anyone. Do you like milestones like that, 200 goals? Yeah, it's, some, it's good to have something, you know, something to like aim at. But, you know, I saw players like Ronaldo Messi, they were reaching 600. Maybe I will not go there, but you know it's it's nice to get some some milestone like you know two hundred, three hundred somewhere there. You have to you have to like try to to aim at some goal. In, in when I asked you the questions in the fact box in in the beginning, you you said that you you were proud of your uh, golden booth in different leagues mm. that you've scored a lot of goals. How is it? I mean, football is a team sport, but still. You want to excel as an individual. How do you combine that? So there, sometimes there's a risk. You only go for, I want to score my goals. I don't care about the team. That's uh, everyone in the team. They have different jobs. I have maybe the jobs to score, create, and of course I have this job to, like I'm the first defender usually in the teams and. Uh, but you know, to I'm I'm actually I think about it that way. Like I'm helping the team. You know, to win games, you need to score goals, and uh, and that's my job. Some other players' job is to, you know, to run a lot. You know, win every duel and stuff like that. Someone has to prevent we don't concede a goal. So that's just my job. You know, after you know, you don't look at it until maybe after the season. You know, I can be satisfied with this and that. So. But now I, you never like in middle of season you never thinking about like stuff like this. It's just like more after the season. Okay, maybe I did did a good job. So you're not thinking like now. Okay, I'm gonna get the golden boot because that, then you maybe start thinking too much and things will not go your way. I think. Thank you very much for being part of the podcast. Thank you. Tack för att ni har lyssnat denna veckan och podden är som vanligt producerad av Olle Junell Lindberg och klippt av Daniel Eriksson. Och vi är alltid intresserade av feedback. Enklast är att maila mig olof.lund.tv4.se eller skriva till mig på Instagram eller Twitter och då är det Olof Lund som gäller i ett ord. Och allt är välkommet, från beröm till kritik till önskemål om gäster och annat. Stort tack för allt feedback och för att ni lyssnade den här veckan.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.